Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, bus people. Thank you all for listening. And if you're listening live, thank you very much. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us tonight on live, then it might be a little difficult because Mike's not here. He's usually the one that monitors the site and lets me know if anybody's ready to come in. Mike is under the weather. So if you want to get a hold of us, then... uh, Boy, uh, don't. <laughs> I uh, like I say, he monitors the site and lets me know if there's somebody out there. And I'm usually reading other stuff and looking at other stuff, and I'm not monitoring it. So wait until next week, and we will chat in if you have anything to say or email me. I do get emails. In fact, I got an email this week from. Uh, oops, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. From Rusty, one of our regular listeners out of Plant City yeah, here in Florida. And he mentioned that he went to Bunker Hill Vineyards and Winery. He stopped there a few weeks ago. He uh, purchased a couple of bottles of wine, took his daughter, had a tasting, and uh, bought more. Uh, so uh, it's a regular stop for them. They said they have a great time. The folks there are very knowledgeable and entertaining. So uh, he wanted to pass that on to me and suggested that we might get him on the show again. If you have not heard the interviews, the past interviews of the uh, uh, Bunker Hill Vineyards and Winery, then you can check those out. I'll, I'll see if I can't get them on sometime this summer. But good people, uh, really uh, a lot of fun. They they are haunted down there. I I say down there. They're just south of us here. I'm in I'm north of Tampa. They're just a little south and almost due east of Tampa. So in uh, uh, Bradenton, I think they're they're located. Brandon, I'm not sure. Brandon Bradenton, but they uh, have been on. They are fully recyclable they try to recycle everything that they do down there they don't use capsules they use wax and everything that they put in a bottle they dip into a wax melted wax vat and let that dry around there and they tell you bring the wax back they melt it back down and put it back in the vat and let's use it again you know do another bottle with it again all sanitary, nothing to worry about on that. They also 
recycle bottles. They have a uh, machine that cleans them and sanitizes them and all that good stuff. And oh, just about everything. They, they do as much recycling as they can. Very good job for them on that. They are excellent. And I did mention they are haunted. They've been on two years ago, I think it was two or three years ago in October, talking about the haunted winery. They are able to do a ghost tour every Saturday night. I guess weather permitting. I don't know if they stop it for training, but they do a ghost tour where they leave from the winery and they take a tour around the woods behind the winery. From what I understand, it takes about an hour. Ghosts have been sighted in the past. It's not like uh, they just do it just to, just for kicks. There's actually people who say they've, they have seen ghosts, and the people that work at the winery have all mentioned things that have happened. So, Bunker Hill Winery. Thank you, Rusty, for the heads up on that again. It has been a while since I've talked to him, so it might be uh, a good interview again. So I'll check into that. So again, Rusty, thanks thanks for the interview, and thanks for listening, as always. Tonight, I am enjoying a Carmenere. I have mentioned Carmenere many times uh, in, uh, in the shows in the past. This is a common air from uh, the uh, Vale Valley, correct? I believe so. Yeah, Vale Central in Chile. That's where the common airs are, are grown. And so this is a two, uh, 2013 common air out of Santa Rita, Santa Rita Army. And it says it's called 120 which honoring 120 patriots who helped lead Chile to independence. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, this is... Uh, oh, okay, it's a screw cap. Engineers came in and popped the screw cap back on. It says on this... According to legend, 120 patriots uh, exhausted after a long, hard battle during the fight for Chile's independence reached the lands belonging to Santa Rita. On that fateful night in 1814, these forces of liberty found refuge in the estate cellars. Today, within these same cellars, our award-winning 120 wines are crafted to honor their heroic character. Over, or, I'm sorry, our 120 Carmenere, the signature grape of Chile. Huh, I guess it is the signature grape of Chile. I never knew it was official. Has rich aromas of ripe red fruit on the palate, lush fruit flavors, and a touch of spice lead to an elegant finish. A heavenly choice every time. I like Carmier. It is always good. Let me sip this one here. So give me a second. I don't have Mike to be able to talk. Hmm. Oh, very good. Carmier. I find has that little bit of 
peppery uh, to it, a little peppery finish. Always does. And you find common air blended a lot with cabs and Syrah. And the sad thing is, it sort of tones down that pepperiness when they start blending, which I, I really like that in, in the Carmen Air. That's one of my favorite things about it. So when you start blending it down and out of there with other wines, it makes for a good wine, but again, it tends to take out that pepperiness. So uh, I sort of think that's sad when you when you start doing that to the Carmenere. So that is the wine we are enjoying this evening is the Carmenere. Like I say, Mike's not with us. He's uh, he's not well filling in the weather. In fact, his radio show, which I always mention, is canceled tonight because of his illness. He's he's got himself a bad flu bug and it's affecting his voice and all that. So it's not anything we hope that will last long, but it's enough that he's resting and trying to recover. He missed work, too, and everything else, so we know that's not good. So, our thoughts out to you, Mike. Get well soon. Okay, what are we going to be celebrating with food and wine this week? As always, I will give you a calendar of food holidays, and then you can match up your wine to each one of them as the week progresses. Today is April the 25th. Uh, almost done with the fourth month of the year already. Today is National Zucchini Bread Day. I think I said that last week. National Zucchini Bread Day. Tomorrow, National Pretzel Day. The great big old doughy pretzels dipped in some little spicy uh, mustard. <clears throat> Those are good. And you can match that up with a, a Zinfandel, even a Carmenere. Those would be some good combos there, I think. Saturday, National Prime Rib Day. I enjoy a good prime rib. I used to do weddings for years. as a little story for you here. Nothing to do with wine, but a little bit to do with prime rib. I used to do weddings. Uh, well, I was a wedding photographer. I've done over, oh, I don't know, 3,600 weddings in my life. I've, I've done a lot of them. It's and it's something I enjoyed. It was pressure, and sometimes you would find some people which you know was irritating. But most of the time on weddings, I'd say 99.9% of the time at weddings, people were really in good moods and everybody was happy and people were getting married. So it was a joyous occasion, and I enjoyed doing it. And and I had a lot of fun with the people and bride and grooms and all that. So I've done, like I said, over 3,600 weddings. And every once in a while I'd do a wedding, they would serve prime rib. And I would always ask for the end piece. I love having the end piece on prime rib because it was cooked just a little bit more. And it had a lot of juices in it and everything. And I just... That's one thing about prime rib. They usually are pretty pretty juicy, but I used to love getting the end piece um, on prime rib. I still do, but most of the time when you go someplace to order, you ask for the end piece, and oh, that's not available, so you don't get it. But prime rib, Saturday, National Prime Rib Day. And pair that thing up with, with a Pinot Noir, Merlot, Barbera. Great with any of those. Uh, Cabernet, as always. Don't get too heavy of a Cabernet, but, you know, any of those. 
Sunday, National Blueberry Pie Day. Uh, boy, what would you have with a blueberry pie? I don't know. A blueberry wine? They're out there. That's a possibility. Monday, National Shrimp Scampi Day. Shrimp Scampi and Gewurztraminer, or a good Sauvignon Blanc. I think that would work well. And then, Tuesday, National Oatmeal Cookie Day and National Raisin Day. Both of those pop up there. So you can actually have oatmeal and raisin cookie, but it's just Raisin Day and Oatmeal Cookie Day. Wednesday, which is the 1st of May, National Chocolate Parfait Day, which is a little cup of almost like chocolate pudding, but a little bit lighter and all that. Chocolate Parfait Day, Wednesday. Get out a Cabernet Sauvignon with a good, rich chocolate parfait. Thursday, next week, give you a little advance on it, National Chocolate Truffle Day. And that sounds very good, too, chocolate truffles. So there you go. That's what we've got coming up for this week for your food and wine pairings. Uh, one meat, one shrimp, and a, three or four desserts. So it's uh, a lot of stuff to look forward to and match up different wines with so you can enjoy some wine and food combos. So do the see. Reminder time of the Grand Tour. Uh, what is today? 25th. So this Saturday is the first one. This Saturday, uh, April the 27th in Las Vegas. The Mirage in Las Vegas is having their first stop at the Grand Tour. And then the next one will be coming up on... Next week, a week from today, May 2nd, at the Navy Pier in Chicago, then the Fontainebleau, Restaurant, uh, Fontainebleau Hotel in Miami is the last one that will be May the 10th. The Grand Tour, Wine Spectators Grand Tour Wine uh, Tasting, grandtour.winespectator.com, $200 tickets, and you will have over 250 world-class wines. All of them are rated over 90, which is a big big plus there, too. You'll be tasting some wines that most people normally don't go out and buy and taste. And that's one of the things. You, know, you can spend $200 on uh, half a dozen of these wines easy and still not be able to taste you know, all of them like you do here, no matter how much you spend. So, it is a good deal. You can get tickets through grandtour.winespectator.com. I don't know if they're sold out or not. I, I, there's different aspects to them. They do have dinners and stuff that go with it, but the actual tasting itself. And then they have the, oh, I think it's a VIP tasting. Oh, VIP tasting, extra hour tasting costs an extra $50 or something. I'm not sure. But you also get a glass and a buffet with each of them, it's included in your ticket. And the buffets and those things are amazing. So there you go. That's what's coming up this next week. So it starts day after tomorrow in Las Vegas, next Thursday in Chicago, and then the 10th, which would be a week from, or two weeks from tomorrow 
in Miami. That's uh, uh, coming up probably last time I'll mention this stuff. If I think about it next week, I'll remind you of the one in Miami. But that's it. We've done those almost. Grantation. Uh, I wish they'd have one in Tampa just once. I'd probably try to go to that one. But I don't find driving to Miami. All right. Wineries. What do we got coming up here on wineries? Who, who's doing what? Well, Henry River. Henry River Winery is located in South Carolina, Newberry, South Carolina, at 1650 Dusty Road. Uh, phone number 803-276-2855. They are having, they're starting to advertise, uh, mark your calendar for, for their first Pack the Porch, which is this Sunday. Uh, they are featuring live music by Henry Brooks, the free admission to all the events, uh, plus be the first to enjoy their new wine slushies for this season. And the Pack and Porch will run throughout uh, May into June the 2nd, so every Sunday from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Pack the Porch, uh, April 28th through June the 2nd. And uh, they are, uh, uh, let's see. Okay, that's it. Happy Hour starts Thursday, May the 2nd. And that's from 4 to 6. You can save on glasses of wine, $5 each. And bottles have a dollar off. Wine slushies will also be available for $5 each. So, that's coming up. Their happy hour starts again. Season's over, and they can start doing that. It's not too hot. I'm sorry, too cold and, and wet. So they can do that. Friday, April the 26th, which is tomorrow, is Sip and Stroll Wine Tasting in Lawrence, South Carolina. This Saturday, April 27th, Spring Open House and Wine Walk in Newberry. South Carolina, so all sorts of events going on with Entry River Winery. So check it out. They are available at Henry River Winery. I'm sorry, Henry River Vineyards. Com, and uh, they uh, have a nice little website. You can check out all the stuff that's going on and what's coming up and all that. Just subscribe to their website. They don't flood you with emails. They just keep you posted, which is one of the good things about it and one of the good things about them. They just, you know, like I say, keep you posted and let you know what's going on and don't go crazy like some places do. A couple other wineries here that uh tell you what's coming up this weekend. Castle Ridge Winery, located in Iowa at... Uh, Lighten, Iowa. Lighten, Lighten, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, Lighten, I think it is. Uh, it's 1681 220th Street in Lighten. It sounds like it's an enormous big town, 220th Street in Lighten. No, Lighten is a signal town. One signal, you drive through it, you're done. But the way the streets are numbered there, they don't give them different names and all that. They just name keep naming the streets all around numbers. So it is right off of uh, Highway 163 in Iowa, which is southeast of 
Des Moines and northwest of Oskaloosa, which tells you a lot, doesn't it? They are uh, available at TassoRidgeWinery.com. They are always doing stuff. Tassel Ridge is busy all the time with things coming up. Uh, Bistro Lunch, just about every day of the week. Uh, April the 27th, This uh, well, tomorrow night, they have Wine and Burger Night. Uh, and also National Pretzel Day, so they'll have pretzels available. Wine and Burger Day is coming up on Saturday, uh, the following Thursday, Friday and Saturday, May 2nd, 3rd and 4th, Wine and Woodfart Oven Pizza Days, which uh, oven-fired pizzas are fantastic. Sunday, May the 5th, Wine and Taco Sunday, and then they've got May the 10th, Wine and Pasta a la carte night. All sorts of stuff. Constantly doing stuff there. Constantly having stuff. they got a great lineup of wines. They Just a, a tremendous amount of different wines there. they got some sweet wines for you sweet, sweet wine lovers. They've got some drier ones for those of you who like their wines dry. So, if oh, there's uh, someone calling into the program. Uh, no, it is I don't know who it is. It might be a wireless caller. Who's calling into the program? Oh, no, somebody on a research survey. So, oh, well. Um, getting excited. Thought maybe somebody found my number and calling. Tassel Ridge Winery. Info at tasselridge.com and the website tasselridgewinery.com. Check them out if you're in Iowa or that area, southeast Iowa. They have things going on all the time there. They they really they're really and a great staff and a great place. They have tours in the vineyards and they also have different uh, different events uh, just about every time you go there. Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace at uh, AmazingGraceWinery.com. They are located in New York at Chazy, Chazy, C-H-A-Z-Y, Chazy, New York, 9839 Route 39. Amazing Grace Vineyard and Winery. You can uh, uh, check them out at AmazingGraceVineyard.com. They have Mother's Day brunch. They're taking reservations on right now. Mother's Day is coming up on May 12th. That is just right around the corner. So if you're going to do stuff for mommy, you need to start looking at now. And things are always filled up. This is a good way. If you live in, in the anywhere near there, if you're going to be in that area, this is a great way to do it. Amazing Grace Vineyard and Winery, third annual Mother's Day brunch. It's May 12th at 11 a.m. A delicious buffet of breakfast and lunch items. Uh, in their uh, vineyard, seating inside the winery and outside, and the pavilion, obviously weather permitting. You can get the reservations through the Amazing Grace website. The menu to be served, a variety of homemade quiche, Gill's fabulous breakfast pizza, eggs benedict. I haven't had eggs benedict in so long. Eggs benedict. Bacon, sausage, pancakes, French toast, casserole, 
maple-crusted pork loin, a variety of salads, garlic mashed potatoes, Grace's red lasagna, and a variety of desserts. Included also as mimosas, coffee, tea, and juice as well, and of course, wine. Adults are $25, children 10 and under, 13 for and under free. So get together, great place to take the wife, the mother, anybody. It's uh, just, you know, wow, what a what a great meal. So, and then you don't have to worry about fighting the crowds at other places and all that. So Amazing Grace Vineyards, you can uh, get a hold of Mary at AmazingGraceVineyard.com, and she will help you with that if you're going to be there. The Another one I have for you is Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks has always got stuff going on. Whispering Oaks is located north of us in Oxford, Florida, uh, at 10934 North County Road 475. Uh, pretty easy trip down the road off of I-75 in northern Florida here. They got uh, the Bluesbury and Blues Festival coming up. They have uh, you pick blueberries are now open. Uh, we pick blueberries are now ready. And uh, they uh, are starting to take reservations on their Mother's Day event too so it just says you know save the date I don't see anything here it tells you what's going on so Whispering Oaks if you need to get a hold of them you can get info at winesofflorida.com always fascinates me that all of us other wineries never thought of using that as an address winesofflorida.com so get a hold of them there info at winesofflorida.com and Whispering Oaks Winery, and you can find out what's happening there. So there's one that. If you are a winery or if you are anyone who knows someone in a winery, start sending me emails. Uh, start sending to my uh, to the All About Wine page, and I will help share what you have coming them up and what you have doing so you won't be won't be left out. You can be part of the All About Wine family. Oh, I like that. All About Wine family. I have a few odds and ends here that I noticed. This, I get a packaging, new packaging magazine. Uh, it's part of a stack of a certain publisher and he sends this to me. And it's interesting. One thing I, I did discover here, uh, they named it Package of the Month. And this is uh, with uh, Garcon, uh, which is a fast-growing online wine retailer and a crowdfunding group for small, talented winemakers, Naked Wine. And uh, the... Initiative is giving selected naked wines subscribers the opportunity to gift a friend with a Gorgon Wines flat wine bottle filled with award-winning wine. Okay, now the package is flat. The box you're getting is is about I don't know three and a half inches high, 
and you know well packed obviously but the Cabernet Sauvignon and a common year blend for one of Chile's most iconic winemakers is specially selected by a naked wine labeled with the company's branding and delivered hassle-free through the mail in a postal box okay now this is mail friendly with uh, Gargon's mail-friendly bottles, Naked Wine can offer its customers a new way to send gifts and introduce their friends to Naked Wine with a bottle directly to their door. Naked Wine Online Business, launched in 2008, is now part of the United Kingdom's largest specialist wine retailer, Magic uh, Majestic Wines. So, it is flat bottles, and it uh, comes in a flat box in the mail. Don't have to worry about UPS or FedEx or DHL. So this is this is sort of cool. I I I was impressed. I when I saw this, I thought, wow, that's a good way to do it. I I'd almost be tempted just to check it out just so I can see what the bottle looks like. But I'm surprised that they're still using bottles and not going to something lighter. I mean, if they're going to go flat, why don't you make something flatter? But, yeah, it's still a great idea, and it's still a good way to do it. So uh, if you want to check it out, just go to NakedWine.com. I'm sure that uh, Naked Wines or NakedWine.com, I'm sure that they will have information there and stuff there on it. Today is the 26th or 27th or 25th. Oh, my gosh, it's only the 25th. I always make notes of my dates on these when I let you know about it. Got my date way off there. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, oh. Okay. I'll get to that in a minute. And what is this other one here? Okay. What's the next rosé? This is interesting. The little article here says back in 2005, hardly any Americans drank the Provence rosé. Uh, Beaujolais Nouveau was among the better-selling imports, and Melbeck was just beginning its meteoric rise. Fast forward nearly 15 years, and now Beaujolais Nouveau has leveled off. Melbeck is in slight decline. And Provence Rosé grew 46.6% from 2016 to 2017. Wow. Wine tends to change over time. And the accompanying data really points this out. It's uh, the imported wine... Vino Expo New York City that was held last month really shows this. Uh, the executive editor of Wine Spectator asked uh, four panelists what they thought might follow Provence Rosé as the next big import to America. And he also questioned whether they foresaw future show- slowdown for the Rosé. Their answers for what imports might mimic the rise of Provence Rosé, three varietals. Vermentino, Sauvignon Blanc, and Alberino. Alberino? Alberino. So, 
those are what they're predicting to come up. But Provence Rosé, if you're not drinking it now, it's in the stores. You can find it's distributed all over the country. And obviously it's good. I mean, if it's going to jump up in growth from 2016 to 2017 by almost double, it is decent wine out there. So let you know a trend there. Modern look at South African wines. South Africa can suffer in the U.S. from the same stigma as Australian imports. Article says, based on what brands people have commonly bought in years past, some consumers automatically imagine South African wine as cheap and bottom shelf. And I, I think that's true. South African and a lot of the areas, we still have this this idea of what they are based on what they have been. Uh, it's, it's hard to get away from that. Like me, uh, a Datsun or a Toyota has always been the most expensive car you can buy in the lot when I was growing up. And are uh, inexpensive, the cheapest. And now, look at them. And it's hard for me to imagine spending the amount of money they're asking for some of these Toyotas and uh, other brands that were so cheap. Same thing with wine. It, it happens uh, with wine. Uh, but the brands like uh, Simon Sig are going a long way to change that idea. They're located in the renowned Stellenbosch wine-making region of the Cape Winelands. That's Stellenbosch. This, the brand offers an array of premium wines across just about any style that you might want. Uh, they are uh, imported through New York. The 2017 vintages are priced between $13.99 and $43.99. And it really starts showing what's coming out of Africa now and a good set of wines coming out of Africa now. Uh, just more kudos to Africa and this picture, uh, Simon Sig Winery. You may not travel to South Africa when thinking of quality bubblies, but that's also another thing to check out. The uh, Samsung Cops Vonkel Brut is only $20, and the Cops Vonkel Brut Rosé is 25 And those are excellent examples of some sparklings coming out of South Africa. Uh, and they, it says that some of the things that they do really well there is sparkling wines. Pinot Noir has developed well, and they also say the Chardonnay is an excellent example of Chardonnay. So... Things to check out from South Africa, uh, Simon uh, Sig, S-I-M-O-N-S-I-G, uh, is the uh, brand name on this. Plus, there's other South African wines that are also very good. You can check on the shelf and all that. And they are reasonably priced for some nice wines. You don't have to think South African wines are just cheap because there's more to them than that. What? Uh, why are the best wines? Okay, th let me say that again because I was reading that all wrong. And I put the emphasis on the wrong words. Why the best wines are wine grapes? All right. Now, interesting little article here. It says wine can be made from anything that is sweet and juicy but you rarely see wines made from anything but grapes. 
except for Florida State Winery and all sorts of wineries all across this country, which is, is very true. A lot of wineries do nothing but fruit wines and all that. But then they still got this segment of being a inferior wine. And it's not always the case. Wine competitions all have categories for different fruit wines. And so because of that, they know that people make it out of fruits. I just looked up the window here. We have uh, water, uh, we call it a moat, sort of a canal like behind the house. All these ducks are gathered up on the neighbor's house across the water waiting. It's that time of night when he always comes out and feeds them. And all these ducks are lined up out there and just waiting for him to come out and give them their evening evening snack. So I just looked down that looked funny. But the answer is because wines made from grapes have more alcohol than those made from other fruits and therefore a longer shelf life. Now, let me give you the person background, the person who wrote this, it's not me. This is from Marnie Old, M-A-R-N-I-E, Old, O-L-D. Author and sommelier, Marnie Old is one of the country's leading wine experts. Formerly the director of wine studies for Manhattan's esteemed French Culinary Institute, she is best known for her visually engaging books published by DK, the award-winning wine, a tasting course, and... He said beer, she said wine. So Marnie here has has a little bit of credentials behind her name to say this stuff. And I've already disagreed with some of it because there are some fruit wines out there that are pretty decent. Grapes are both unusually sweet and unusually juicy, and their juice contains more sugar by volume than that of any other fruit. Since sugar is what makes winemaking possible, being the raw material converted into alcohol during fermentation, the sky-high sweetness of grapes results in wines that are unrivaled in terms of their potential alcohol, which is very true. I mean, you get fruit wines, and most of those are less than 10%, a lot of them are around 7 8%, because unless you fortify them with sugars and throw sugars into them and stuff. So... Varieties cultivated as table grapes are less sweet, but fully ripe wine grapes can produce up to 15% alcohol when their juice is fermented. Apples are the next most viable choice, but their juice is much harder to extract and less sweet. So ciders typically range from 4 to 8% alcohol. Historically, this advantage is potential alcohol strength was tremendously important because alcohol is a natural preservative. It suppresses the microorganisms that can quickly spoil both foods and drinks in the absence of sterile conditions and temperature control. Since grape wines with higher alcohol tasted fresher for longer, there was no incentive to make wine from other fruits for thousands of years. Humans continued to breed wine grapes to yield the sweetest possible juice into our modern era, which helps explain why wine culture is so firmly grape-centric. Very good. 
Very good. Wine grapes, usually around 22% sugar, and sometimes they can go up as 28, 30% sugar. Table grapes, usually max out at 16% sugar, although raisins are made from table grapes, and raisin grapes tend to taste real sweet, but you've taken so much of the juice out of them, and you've dried them out, and so they start showing the sweetness because you don't have that other moisture in it. Apples, 13% sugar. Oranges, only 9% sugar. They tend to taste sweeter, but as far as actual sugar amount, they're not. Wine grape compared to table grapes. Wine grapes have thicker skins and larger seeds, whereas table grapes tend to have thinner skins and small, if any, seeds. Wine grapes have softer, sweeter flesh, whereas table grapes have firmer, less sweet flesh. They taste great when you pop it in your mouth, but they are actually less sweet than a wine grape. And once you get that wine grape to the maximum sweetness, when you pick them, they are sweet. They're really sweet. But they're not real good eating grapes because of the simple fact that the seeds are so big and the skin is so tough. You're doing a lot more chewy on the grape than you would on the table grape. I don't think unless you just really have a dislike for them. Very few people find it enjoyable, or I'm sorry, not enjoyable, to not eat a table grape and then get that juiciness and that sweetness pop in your mouth. You can get that same thing with a wine grape if it's right at the time, and it's going to be even sweeter, but it tends to be a turnoff with the seeds and thicker skin. Wine grapes are bred for traits that help the venters, like higher sugar content, softer flesh, and thicker skins, because skins provide color and flavor. Okay, table grapes are bred for traits that make them more pleasant to eat, like thinner skins, firmer flesh, and smaller seeds or no seeds. So, wine grapes are best grapes for wine. Just a little uh, thing. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and let me make a note on this. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I keep on tonight, don't I? Oh, this was an interesting little... I saw the headline on this. I haven't, haven't read this yet. I don't know if it's worth reading or not. But let me share it with you. Headline was Merlot 15 years after Sideways. Do you remember the movie Sideways? Most of you probably do. If you're wine people, you probably remember the movie Sideways. That was the first more wine centric movie than any we've ever seen up till now. I People used to come in the winery all the time and said, Have you seen Sideways? And I always have to point out to everybody that the movie Sideways is not a movie about wine, the movie Sideways is a chick flick. It's about this guy who was engaged, and he jumps out, and he does his last fling before he gets married, and, you know, he realizes how much he loves her, and and, uh, his buddy finds uh, someone, and it just, you know, wine is not the central point of the movie. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Sideways, but it's not a wine movie. But this says here, it's now been 15 years since the release of the film sideways 
Many credited this movie with killing Merlot cells. And I've heard that too, uh, when Miles, who is the lead character, proclaimed, if anyone orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any blank Merlot. And that was the line that everybody remembers, and that's the line that I was quoted, I don't know how many times at the one you Excuse me, let me take a, a sip of my Carmenere. Here. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Oh, that was unintentional. How can it be that one of the most popular Bordeaux writers was destroyed by a few references in a movie? And keep in mind that some of the most famous wines in the world are primarily comprised of Merlot. In Bordeaux's right bank regions of Saint-Emilion and Pomerol, Merlot reigns supreme. Even Miles prized 1961 Cheval Blanc that he drank at the end of the movie is a blend of Merlot and Cabernet Franc. Ha-ha. Most people probably didn't realize that. Merlot is celebrated in Bordeaux. It ripens early with large grapes, thin skin, and known for its full-bodied yet soft fruit. The tannins are easy, and there's often a soft finish that makes it great for blending. In California, wine can still have its rival name on the label if 75% of its volume is derived from that designated grape. A wine label can state Cabernet Sauvignon and consists of 75% Cabernet Sauvignon and 25% Merlot or other varietals. Okay. The winemakers like this flexibility of blending. Most of the time now, you don't, and I have to qualify this, most of the time, if it is 75% Cabernet and 25% Merlot, they usually have it on the label. They, years, years ago, they would say Cabernet Sauvignon and not tell you it was blended with Merlot. Now, I think just about everybody lets you know their blends. Because blending wines and blended wines are extremely popular. And so because of that, they'll let you know what's going on. The uh, famed Napa Valley winemaker Aaron Pott, who makes wine on the Majesty's Secret Service label and has a vineyard in Napa's Mount Beater, actually appreciates the sideways effect, as he calls it. In Northern California, Pope notes that the best thing that ever happened to Merlot, so much Merlot was being planted back then, and it was green, vegetal, and boring. It was being planted in soils that should never have been planted in. Only the cream went to the top, and some good Merlots survive. So he's saying that that's a good thing that he said that, because it killed some of the cheap Merlots. The quality of Merlots from 15, 20 years ago, there was a lot of pretty awful Merlot flooding the market. What Miles stated at the time resonated among many of the wine lovers who looked down as a American subpar Merlot. Really American. He didn't say American Merlot. He just said Merlot. And probably because a lot of people who were drinking Merlot didn't know that other areas of Bordeaux particularly was so Merlot-eccentric. American American 
consumers primarily buy based on Rido. They don't look at blends. They don't understand blends. American consumers spend money on premium wines from California, like Napa and Sonoma. Cabernet Sauvignon is king, and it has been. Even before the movie came out, Merlot was stigmatized, and Miles only confirmed what everyone was already talking about. Many wineries that still have Merlot plantings often don't label the wine as Merlot, but call them red blends. It is more sellable than denoting Merlot on their front label. Though there are some wineries that take particular pride in their Merlot and desiccate the variety as such. You can find it at Duckhorn, Pride Mountain, Shaver Vineyards, Stag's Leap. Well-regarded winemaker Reed Renaudin, CEO of Amicus Wine Holdings, noted that Merlot cells have never really recovered and that it's basically a blending grape. Merlot is still very hard to sell, he said. Now, this is 15 years after that movie came out, but it just shows you what a movie can do to a grape. It is primarily used as a blender to decrease Cabernet pricing. It's a very nice rider, but it's still quite depressed, uh, although it doesn't have as bad an image problem as Syrah. There are now more consistent fruit sources for programs that survive, but generally Merlot cells are still stagnant. That's amazing. 15 years after that came out, and one guy in a movie said that about Merlot, and it still hasn't recovered 15 years later. What about Pinot Noir? That's the variety that Miles said was so great and captured his imagination, and he kept bragging about it all through the movie. In California, there has been a triple-digit increase in Pinot Noir sales in the past 15 years. Pinot Noir sales have been on fire, and the plantings have grown spontaneously. If Ever there is a sideways two, will Malls remain so enamored with Pinot Noir now that the ride is so popular and the quality varies so widely? I don't know. That's the question. But that, that was interesting in the fact that Merlot, after 15 years, is still suffering from that movie. I, huh. Well, I shouldn't be surprised because, like I say, people used to come into the winery all the time and ask about Merlot, ask me about Merlot. And I said, yeah, Merlot's a good wine. It, it's, you know, it's blended, but it's a good wine. You know, offers uh, another alternative to reds. But I never paid much attention. But Merlot now is sort of relegated to a lesser red wine than others out there. Hmm. That's, well, oh well. Another thing for you tonight, this is out of Beverage Dynamics. And they come out with their 2019 growth brands in wines. They they do this every year. They have their you know, growth brands. And it's always interesting to see what is selling and what isn't selling and how well it's growing and all that. And the United States wine market marked its 25th consecutive year of growth in 2018. And it was a modest increase, 1.2 over the previous, 1.2% over the previous year, but it was still a growth category nonetheless. 
which is always good as long as wines keep going. And you have to keep the wines growing because there's so many wineries that are continuously opening and continuously making more and more wines and stuff. So when you have the uh, growth out there, even though it is 1.2% over the previous year, that means that people are still buying. And the numbers are way up there anyway. That's 348.8 million nine-liter cases. A nine-liter case is how the business talks about it. You get a case of 12 750 milliliter bottles, which is your standard case, that is nine liters. Uh, six, a liter and a half is nine liters. So this is the standard way that things are measured when you start talking about what is being done, uh, nine liter cases. Um, What's causing it to flatten a little bit? Well, one thing, aging baby boomers are drinking a little less wine. Aww. Uh, wine educator and farm, uh, founder of marketing firm Adventure Wines, uh, Robert Cavanaugh, says that uh, millennials have not adopted to wines as much as expected. And the boomers are backing off a little bit from it and not drinking as much. I think probably too every year the boomers are, we're losing more and more of the boomers. And, uh, cause what baby boomers start, what, 1946, I think. So, so those, you know, you're, you're looking 70 and older and all of them now, uh, of the early ones, older than 70. And each year, you know, they get older. That might be part of it. I don't know. Competition from spirits and cannabis legalization is also putting a crimp on it. And that could be a difference, too. A lot of the boomers were smokers of cannabis. And now that the cannabis is available in a lot of states, they could be switching over and going to cannabis as opposed to drinking wine. Again, no stats, but it's a possibility. On the upside, the category is... uh, Getting larger with quality options from the wine regions and new labels and around the world and also particularly around the United States, uh, they are not just red or white. A lot of the rosés are coming on and the different containers, which we've talked about many times, as much as some people don't like it, they're here and they're here to stay and it's making a difference in it too in the fact that the cans and the boxes and the uh, Tetra packs and all this other stuff, plastic, all of these things you put in wine in now are starting to become more convenient for everyone. And so, therefore, it's helped keeping the sales up. Uh, Consumers today are also less intimidated by wine, and they are a little bit more adventurous in what they're doing. Again, basic bottom line of this show, make wine less intimidating and more enjoyable and simple to understand and drink. And that's really what's happening. It's, you don't need to have a aura, the uh, intimidation factor when it comes to wine. It's just fun. And they are starting to get some uh, popular rosés out there. Bubblies are starting to catch on a lot more. Whites, big red blends. They're red. A lot of people used to come and say, oh, I love a red blend. You go to the store, you look in the wine sections and stuff, you will see a lot of red blends. It's really the thing, it seems like now, with red blends. 
But wine established growth brands. And these are from uh, 17 to 18. Number one, Black Box. And, you know, it's been around for a long time. The Black Box has been there for a long time. Constellation Brands. Constellation Brands is the is the one of the biggest out there in the market. And the Black Box has jumped up to... 7,400,000 or 40,000 nine-liter cases sold this past year. Uh, staggering, staggering number. Second place, Menage Troy by Trinchero's Family Estates. Three million nine-liter cases. Now, compare that to Black Boxes, 7,040,000. It just, it's Staggering the difference. Dark Horse comes in third by E.J. Gallo, followed by Rufino, Kim Crawford, Malomi, J. Roger, and Tyler Dessert, all under Constellation Brands. Then Canyon Road, which is E.J. Gallo, Noble Wines, Delicato Family Wines, Real Sangria, and you've seen that at Shaw Ross Importers. Duplin is on the list, Duplin Winery, Moon Series by Del Canto Family, and C.K. Mondavian Family by Mondavian Family. So those are the, the growth brands, the ones that are jumping up. Sometimes I haven't heard of, I, you know, because I have the bad habit, as many of you do, of just going and picking up some of them that I am so familiar with. Bold Reds Rule. Cabernet Sauvignon is supposed to soon take the top spot from Chardonnay in terms of most popular varietals. Wow. That is a surprise. Chardonnay has been running away with it for years. It's already just edged out Chardonnay in terms of dollar value. Hmm. So there you go. Chardonnay has been number one for so long. Now Cabernet Sauvignon is moving itself right on up there. Wine Fast Track Brands, Boda Box, number one. This past year, 6,900,000, excuse me, nine liter cases. Number two, Liberty Creek, a Boda Box by Delicato Family Wines. Number two, Liberty Creek by E.J. Gallo, 4,871,000. Now, that's the difference. 6,900,000 for a voter box, 4,871,000, 2 million more 9 liter cases. And that's, I mean, wow. Josh Sellers is on the fast track by Dutch Family Wine and Spirits. Winking Owl, Larmarca, 19 Crimes, Joel Gott, Roscada. Manita, Decoy, Matua, Line 39, Chateau d'Eslin, Campo Vojo, Whitecliff Sparkling, Freak Show, Duckhorn Vineyards, Whitehaven, Talbot, J Vineyards, Chateau Sauvron, Oren Swift, uh, Petit Petit, and Chalk Hill, those are all ones that are just jumping up. Growth, uh, 
19 crimes had a growth of 103.5% from 2017 to 2018. Now, oh, wow. You know, I mean, but you see 19 crimes set in every one of the shelves. Uh, Gallo has a lot of them in that group there, uh, but they're all a bunch of variety, a bunch of different ones. A lot of wines, especially the big reds, are being aged in old bourbon barrels. You're starting to see that more and more. You're starting to see signs saying bourbon barrel aged, and it's becoming a very popular item in the winery industry saying that. But wine rising stars, I'm not going to tell you all these. There's like 25 or 30 of them here. Just give you a few at the top here. Prophecy by E.J. Gallo. California Roots by the Transcherif family. That has grown by 212% from 17 to 18. Chloe is next. Ava Grace from the wine group has grown by 63%. Uh, Z. Alexander Brown, Seven Moons. You're seeing that a lot out there now. One with the full moon, the middle, and the different phases of it. Love Nor. Cabernet Winery Reserve by Bronco, uh, oh, I'm sorry, not Cabernet, Carmenette Winery Reserve by uh, Bronco Wine Company. Story Point, Gemma De Luna, Slow Press, a lot of different ones that uh, we're not familiar with the names. These are the ones that are starting to come up and do big sales. Uh, Flora de Prairie, uh, growth 250%. Uh, here's one at the bottom, Ami de Vin, which is grown by 320%. So a lot of these names that you're not familiar with, a lot of these wineries and the wines that they're coming out with are starting to catch on. People are starting to try them, starting to drink them, which do it. Yeah, you too. That's a good way to, to try something and, and see it. And if these things are growing, that means that the people are enjoying them. They're they don't just go out and buy it once and not buy it anymore because it's not going to grow that way. They buy it, they enjoy it, they buy it again. So there's something else for you to jump and, you know, check those out and see what you can, uh, see which ones you might be able to find there that you enjoy. And then the wine comeback brands of this past year. These are ones that have sold in the past and sort of faded, but these, these are coming back. These are doing, a, doing an increase in their sale. Number one, Chateau Saint Michel. We used to hear that all the time. Three million two hundred ninety thousand cases in 2018. Robert Mondavi Private Reserve or Private Selection, two million hundred thirty cases in the last year. Echo Domini, that's by E.J. Gallo. A black Stallion Delicato Family Wines. And Soleil Mimosa by Southwest Wines is the supplier. Uh, these are comeback wines. These are ones that people are starting to buy again after falling back on sales and not purchasing them. They are now putting them in their buggies and taking them home. So, there you go. There's that's what's happening in wine cells. It is increasing, but not like it used to. And they're saying that boomers aren't drinking as much, and 
besides that, they are switching. Uh, the people are trying other stuff, spirits and different things. Which I, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure it's happening. So uh, try those different ones, though. There's different wines on the market. I'm constantly telling you this. Uh, try different wines. There are some great wines out there. There are some wonderful wines on the market, and you'll never know unless you pick up a bottle of it and try it. And I used to say this at the winery all the time, tell people, I mean, don't don't just walk up there and start looking around and get confused and saying, oh, I don't know what they taste like. I'm just going to go back to my default wine and grab this, this Cabernet or grab this Chardonnay or this Sauvignon Blanc, whatever it is that you're, you so often buy. Put that down and pick up the new one. Try that new one, and you will be surprised there's going to be some you're not going to like, but that never fails. It, there are going to be a lot more that you do like. So give them a try and see what you can uh, see what new ones you can come up with. And we're done for this week. Wow, that time went by fast. I might not have a show next week. I'm not sure yet. And the reason I say that is because I live in the Tampa area, as you know. Tampa's baseball team is the the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa plays the Kansas City Royals. And I've mentioned before that I'm from Kansas City, family up there. They play the Royals next uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a four-game series. And the last time, the only time, they go up to Kansas City this season. I might fly up for a game or two. I'm not sure. I'm still trying to make arrangements and see what can be done and all that. If you tune in next week and there's no show, it's because I am enjoying baseball. Well, actually, it won't be on Thursday. I'll be probably traveling back on Thursday. But if you tune in and there is a show, I didn't go. So I don't want to say I'm going to be not here next week because there's a very good possibility I might be. But if I'm not, then I will be Traveling back from Kansas City after watching the Rays play the Royals in Kansas City. So that's just let you know on that. And that's it. I think we're done for another week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And enjoy some good wine this week. I give you some possibilities on the food pairings. And you can also pick up some other wines that aren't on the list. You can also try some new ones and everything. And still don't give up on Merlot. It's it's still a good wine. Be safe out there. Have fun. And we will look forward. Thanks for listening. We will look forward to seeing all of you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.